This morning, I, I, I released this story, and I will put the story in the live, live chat link, uh, in the live chat so you can read it if you haven't, that Kamala Harris, uh, Senator Kamala Harris, or For the People Kamala Harris, is having a pretty big fundraiser next week. On March 20th, she's having it at the home of filmmaker J.J. Abrams. J.J. Uh, Abrams is, uh, you know, big filmmaker behind a lot of uh, shows and movies. Um, and Kamala Harris uh, is having a lot of, you know, when you have these fundraisers, you have co-chairs for the fundraisers. For this particular fundraiser, co-chairs uh, start at $10,000. So talk about that for the people, you know, most, you know, because you could just donate $10,000 to the politician of your choice. So co-chairs start at $10,000. And anybody else, just to get in the door, uh, is $2,800, which is the new max amount. Before it was $2,700, now I believe it's $2,800. So what's interesting about that, if you look down the list, if you look down the list of the people attending this fundraiser, which I'm going to show you in a minute, it's like a class reunion of Hillary Clinton's top donors. Uh, Hollywood producers, filmmakers, all all that, uh, that are uh, at this fundraiser. It's all Hillary Clinton's top donors, which no crime in that, you know, Hillary Clinton's top donors in the Hollywood industry are choosing Kamala Harris, apparently. But I like to go through the list for these fundraisers to see if there's anybody out of the ordinary, because I don't think Politico is going to go through the list. I don't think CNN's going to go through the list. I don't think the Young Turks is going to go through the list, if, if I'm being honest. Uh, I don't think Corporate media and, frankly, independent outlets really are looking into uh, who are giving money to these candidates. And in Senator Harris's uh, um, in Senator Harris's example, or in her case, uh, she has sworn off corporate PAC money. Where not just with Kamala Harris, but a lot of these candidates, I believe we're starting to see that just because you swear off corporate PAC money doesn't mean you're not taking money from very questionable sources, which we're going to see. So I looked into uh, her fundraiser that, again, is on March 20th. It's at the home of J.J. Abrams, the filmmaker. Uh, And I noticed that there was a gentleman on there who I I didn't know who it was. He's not a Hollywood filmmaker. He's not uh, a director. He's not a studio executive. So I looked him up. And pretty quickly, upon looking him up, his name is uh, Shomik Duda. Sorry to Shomik if I'm mispronouncing it, but I believe that's how you pronounce it, Shomik Duda. Uh, pretty quickly, the more I looked it up and investigated it, it looked like he, his company that he had co-founded, a company that he had co-founded, has ties to a global financial money laundering scandal. Now, to be clear, to be clear, to be clear as the disclaimer, there's no evidence that Mr. Duda broke any laws. There's no evidence that he's under investigation. There's no evidence that uh, he did anything untoward. However, there is oddities uh, with his connection to this global money laundering scandal. And he did not, he chose uh, to not put those oddities to rest because he chose to decline comment for the story, specifically about whether he was under investigation. So, I'm going to read you the story. We're going to go through it. I'll start, stop, and all those things. But just before I get into the story, I want to make sure you understand what the 1MDB Malaysia scandal is, because that's the global money laundering scandal that 
he and his company that he co-founded might be connected to. So I interviewed Matt Taibbi a few months ago on this, but just a refresher course, course, this is from Matt Taibbi and Rolling Stone. So headline, the Malaysia scandal is starting to look dire for Goldman Sachs. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just to give you the basics. Goldman Sachs, which has survived and thrived despite countless scandals over the years, may have finally stepped in a pile of trouble too deep to escape. That's even a Donald Trump. There's even a Donald Trump angle uh, to this latest great financial mess. But the outlines of that subplot in a case that has countless remains vague. The bank itself is in the most immediate danger. The company's stock rallied Thursday to close at 165, stopping a five-year, five-day slide in which the firm lost almost 12% of its market value. The company is down 35% uh, for the year, most of that coming in the past three months as Goldman has been battered by headlines about the infamous 1MDB scandal. By the way, this was written uh, uh, in December of last year. Just before Christmas, Malaysian authorities filed criminal charges against Goldman Sachs, seeking a stunning $7.5 billion in reparations for the bank's role in the scandal. Singapore authorities also announced they were expanding their own 1MDB probe in to include Goldman. In the 1MDB scheme, actors tied, to form, actors tied to former Malaysian Prime Minister Najib Razak allegedly siphoned mountains of cash out of a state investment fund. The misrouted money went to lavish parties with celebrity guests like Alicia Keys, a $35 million jet, works uh, by Monet and Van Gogh, property in New York, Los Angeles, and London, and ironically, the funding of the movie The Wolf of Wall Street, which was uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's movie, which was a great movie, by the way. The cash for this mother of all bachanals originally came from bonds issued by Goldman, which earned a whopping $600 million from the Malaysians. The bank charged prices for its bond insurance that analysts believe were suspiciously high, like a massage, a massage price that suggests you're probably getting more than a massage. By the way, Matt Taibbi is one of the funniest, better, best writers out there. And if Status Quo had the money, oh God, I would love to bring him in in any capacity. So, go fund me. So, the rest of his article is primarily about Goldman Sachs, but I wanted to give you a backdrop about what the 1MDB scandal is. So essentially, to break it down, Malaysia, uh, several years ago, opened, tried to lure in investors for a fund that was going to build um, infrastructure in Malaysia, build agricultural uh, projects in Malaysia, build up Malaysia. Obviously, Malaysia isn't like, you know, America. So the fund, which had investors from Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Abu Dhabi, some of the richest of the rich, the global plutocrats, the global elite. Uh, they were investors from a lot of different countries, invested money into this uh, fund. Unfortunately, nothing got built. And as Matt Taibbi reported, you have money that's going into this fund from global investors that's going to, uh, you know, yachts, that's going to, uh, you know, fancy paintings, that's going to cars that's going into the pockets of the Malaysian prime minister, that's going into the prop, uh, wallet of uh, people connected to the Malaysian prime minister, that's going into production of Leonardo DiCaprio's film. Going in a lot of places it shouldn't be going. Okay, so how is this connected to Kamala Harris? Well, it's not directly connected to Kamala Harris, but call me odd, call me old-fashioned. I think presidential candidates, both Democrat and Republican, should kind of know who they're taking tens of thousands of dollars from, or 
even more than that, because some of these donors are giving hundreds, hundreds of thousands, and some of them are giving millions. So I think if you're going to have somebody come to your fundraiser as a co-host, because at these fundraisers you have co-chairs and co-hosts, uh, I think you should know what their background is. And if you don't know their background, you should be ready to defend it if there's something controversial there. Because these are the people you're taking money from. We need to know your judgment. We need to know who you're tied to. We need to know if you're looking the other way uh, for, uh, at these donors who might have uh, some unethical or criminal uh, liability. So, like I said, I just looked in. I did something very radical. I just investigated it. I, I, I went to the Google machine and I looked, who are these donors going to her fundraiser in Hollywood next week? And this gentleman, Shomik Duda, so I'm going to read you some of this. I'm going to read you all of it and stop and start. And this is a story we broke this morning. Sitting in a distant third place in Democratic primary polls, California Senator Kamala Harris is set to have a $2,800 per person fundraiser with a who's who of Hollywood at the home of filmmaker J.J. Abrams and his producer wife, Katie McGrath, on March 20th. So that would be next week, my half birthday, by the way. Among the list of Hollywood producers, agents, and filmmakers listed as co-hosts for the fundraiser, many of whom donated to Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign and former President Obama's campaigns, is Shomik Duda, a former investment banker who also served as a special assistant to the White House counsel for President Obama. There is the invitation. Sorry if it's small. Uh, What's really interesting about this is I found this invitation that, as you can see, uh, $10,000 uh, per person to be a co-chair, $2,800 per person to be a guest. So if you are listed as a come, uh, hosted by, so I don't know if the hosts are paying $10,000. Uh, I assume, yeah, the hosts are, are paying $10,000, but I could be wrong about that. But you got J.J. Abrams, you have a bunch of other people that are Hollywood producers, filmmakers, um, studio execs. Uh, there was one in there that was a public relations person, Shonda Rhimes, who is a big, big successful uh, executive producer of shows on ABC like Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder and all that. I like Shonda Rhimes a lot. So, Show McDuda, I, I looked him up. What's interesting is this invitation was originally on the Malibu, Cal the Malibu Democrat Club's website. So it was up there. Uh, it had the list of people, and then it went away. So all of a sudden, the invitation went away, and the event page showed up with an error. So I contacted the Malibu Democratic Club, and I said, why is it that this uh, – Thank, luckily, I had taken a screenshot for you Cub Scout reporters trying to get into journalism. Always take a screenshot because they'll try to hide it. So I asked, why is it that this is no longer on your website? Was the event canceled? Uh, what happened here? So uh, that's why I put in this note. Uh, the Malibu Democratic Club actually told Status Coup it was taken down. They took it down at the request of the Harris campaign for, quote, security reasons. So I found that interesting because the actual uh, address, the actual invite that they took down doesn't say the address of the J.J. Uh, Abrams home. It doesn't give any information that would tell people where it is. So I don't particularly know what the security concern is. You could have a concern about journalists or activists knowing where it is because you don't want protesters outside. That's potentially why a campaign would ask 
a, a local Democratic club to take down the event because maybe you don't want the image or you don't want it to be publicized that a candidate who, for the most part, is, tr- is branding herself as for the people and is saying, I'm not taking corporate PAC money, you wouldn't want it advertised much or have protesters or activists know where a who's who of very wealthy people are. And by the way, I you know, doesn't make Hollywood filmmakers and executives aren't bad people because they're them being wealthy doesn't make them bad. None of that. Uh, my point is, I don't know what exactly Kamala Harris's campaign meant by security concerns because the invitation that they took down uh, was, frankly, uh, it didn't have the address. And, unfo- and for journalists, that's a problem too because when you take it down, you're if I hadn't uh, if I hadn't taken a screenshot. Most journalists wouldn't even know who are the guests going, and that's a transparency issue too. And by the way, not that I actually expected journalists to look into it, that would be too difficult, but candidates shouldn't be hiding who they're doing fundraisers with or accepting money from. In a status coup investigation that examined Duda, now a partner at a political technology company called Higher Grounds Lab, Higher Ground Labs, and his former investment firm's potentially dubious connection to the One Malaysia Development Berhard, that's the full name of the fund, 1MDB, a global money laundering scandal involving everyone from Goldman Sachs to actor Leonardo DiCaprio, unresolved questions remain. And to be clear, uh, when, I, when I write that, that's not to say Leonardo DiCaprio has any criminal liability. I was writing that in, in reference to the, the uh, funds that were laundered, part of those funds went into uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. That doesn't mean Leonardo DiCaprio was aware of it or is involved with it, to make that clear. And here I just explain a little bit. 1MDB was a sovereign wealth fund created to build infrastructure and agricultural projects in Malaysia, supported by wealthy investors from Saudi Arabia, the United Emirates, Arab Emirates, and other countries. Goldman Sachs, whom Malaysian authorities recently filed against for $7.5 billion, was the bank responsible for setting up the bond payments for investors, but those wealthy investors were left holding the bag. The $6.5 billion ultimately raised never went to building anything. Instead, money was allegedly laundered into the personal accounts of Malaysian Prime Minister Najib Razak and other political and business elites. So I kind of just, you know reference what I just had told you before, uh, what 1MDB was and what the scandal was. Uh, and according to the New York Times, hundreds of millions were also diverted into expensive yachts, jewelry, paintings, and ironically, production costs for DiCaprio's Wolf of Wall Street. According to uh, Duda, Kof Duda, who, by the way, to, re- to restate, is listed as a co-host for Kamala Harris's fundraiser in Hollywood next week. Duda co-founded the investment firm Dusable Capital in 2013 with Frank White Jr., who's a big, big Democratic Party donor who served on Obama's 2008 campaign as a mid-Atlantic finance director. He also served uh, as a fundraiser for Obama's 2012 campaign and on Hillary Clinton's uh, finance committee for her 2016 campaign. It was also founded, uh, Frank White Jr. founded it, with Mr. Duda and rapper and Fuji's founder, Pras Michael. Pras Michael was recently named in court filings related to working with a former Department of Justice official in an alleged conspiracy to funnel tens of millions of dollars in connection to the 1MDB scandal. So Pras Michael, he's, he's in deep doo-doo. <laughs> deep doo-doo. <laughs> uh, he's, in, he's in trouble. But 
Duda founded it with this big dollar donor who was a big donor to Obama, big donor to um, Hillary Clinton, and uh, uh, the rapper who founded the Fugees, Lauren Hill, the Fugees. So Duda himself, by the way, just to remind you, is no slouch. He was a special assistant to President Obama's White House. He was a special assistant to the White House Council. He also worked for Obama's reelect campaign, uh, did a lot of fundraising for Obama's reelect campaign, and also did fundraising for Hillary Clinton. So all of these people are kind of in that same Obama-Hillary Clinton orbit. Doesn't make them bad people. We might have disagreements politically, but doesn't necessarily mean they're bad people. I just want to be clear. So, trying to be fair. Early on, after its formation, DuSable, which once again, uh, Duda co-founded, launched a $505 million fund in the form of a general partner, and they called it Eurus Private Equity. So basically, DuSable launched a side company or a side partner called Eurus Private Equity. According to the Wall Street Journal, 1MDB, the now scandal-covered uh, Malaysian fund, and Eurus, the general partner to DuSable, entered into a master joint venture agreement to, de- to develop solar power plants in Malaysia, which netted DuSable $506,000. So, in English, Duda's company that he co-founded, through, through a general partner they created, Eurus Private Equity, uh, went into business with 1MDB, the Malaysian fund, which got them $506,000. Doesn't stop there, though. That same year, DuSable Capital registered papers with the Foreign Agents Registration to serve as a lobbyist for 1MDB in order to, quote, encourage the U.S. government to provide non-financial support for a Malaysia solar project, according to the filing that was signed by Duda. And I linked to that filing. So that's kind of important. You know, you can, uh, as a company, you can as a company say, well, maybe my company uh, was connected to this scandal-covered fund, but I didn't know about it or I wasn't involved with it, but he signed the documents to become their lobbyist, which, again, doesn't mean he has committed a crime, but it does mean he was involved in the deal. He signed the documents. So, Mr. Duda, uh, but the solar pod projects never came to fruition. Six months after the deal, 1MDB bought out Dusable Capital paying the firm $69 million, $69 million for its 49% stake, basically buying them out. Despite the lack of construction, money flowed to those involved anyway. According to Wall Street Journal's 2016 report, investigators looking into uh, the deal believe that $10 million allegedly embezzled from 1MDB, the Malaysian fund, indirectly landed into the pockets of White, Duda's co-founder. White and DuSable cooperated cooperated with investigators, the report said, the Wall Street Journal report. So to be clear, all the reports that are made public that are open say $10 million went into um, Duda's partners, his co-founder, Frank White, the bigwig donor for Obama, Hillary Clinton, and them. So that they're saying it went into Duda's, uh, excuse me, Frank White's pockets, not Duda. Doesn't mean Duda didn't get a cut. We just don't know. We don't know. Um, the reports state the $10 million went into Frank White's um, pockets. He's the co-founder, and Duda signed the lobbying agreement, so I'll leave it up to you to wonder, would, would he have benefited or profited off of that deal? But the rest of the story is blurry, and this is where my uh, the cynic in me and the investigative reporter, uh, my, my ears pop, pop, popped up. 
In response to questions regarding whether Dusable Capital, Duda, or White were, were ever or are currently under investigation, the Department of Justice answered status quo with its customary non-answer, quote, the U.S. Department of Justice generally does not confirm, deny, or otherwise comment on the existence or non-existence of an investigation. Duda politely declined to comment or answer status quo's questions, which included whether he had ever been interviewed by the Department of Justice or any state or local bodies about DuSable's deal with 1MDB, or if he or the firm he had co-founded had ever been or currently are under, under investigation. In two subsequent attempts to get an answer from Duda, he again declined. Attempts to reach Frank White Jr. and DuSable Capital were unsuccessful. The company's website has no listed number, and the email address provided bounce back. And I'm not going to show you his email, but I will read the email so you have a full account of what he said. Hey, Jordan, received your note. I will politely decline to comment on your story. Apologies. I wrote back, thanks for the response. I, of course, want to be fair to you in this piece. You sure you don't want to comment as far as whether you've been interviewed by DOJ and or if you, your partner, or Dusable is under investigation? He wrote back, I think it's most responsible for me to politely decline comment. Apologies. So, um, you know, you could take it two ways. You could take it how I take it. You know, if a reporter reached out to me and said, has the Department of Justice ever uh, interviewed you uh, or are you under investigation? If I wasn't under investigation, oh, I would make sure that reporter knew I wasn't under investigation. Uh, You know, maybe maybe if I was interviewed, I wouldn't want that to be revealed because it could kind of be spun that I was interviewed. But you kind of know if you're under investigation in most cases or you would have some idea if you're under an investigation because you've been interviewed by folks, they've told you certain things that for you to do or not do, uh, those kinds of things. So the fact that he was politely declining um, to comment strikes me as odd, particularly if you're not under investigation or if you haven't been interviewed ever. Uh, you could have also, he could have, he or his business partners could have uh given documents or filings or financial things to the Department of Justice without being interviewed. So several things are are true, can be true. Secondly, it took him about a day, day and a half to get back to me. My gut is he spoke with his lawyer and how to respond or if to respond. Could also be that, frankly, he didn't do anything wrong, but he thinks, well, this guy, who is he? He's from status quo. So I'm not going to comment because that would give more oxygen to the story and whatever let him publish it it's not going to go anywhere that's also sometimes a calculus for public figures when the media is approaching them if it was the new york times he'd have a different calculus but little else that is cool he might have been told well you know who cares let them publish what they want you know that they're small so it's there's many different scenarios that can be true but at the end of the day if you're not under investigation if you haven't been interviewed by the department of justice if you don't have anything to hide why wouldn't you just why wouldn't you just say to say to the reporter not that I'm aware of I've been interviewed year or I've been interviewed years ago but never been told I'm in investigation no charges nothing who knows could also be that a deal was struck for financial uh uh pay, payments back 
And as part of that deal, the settlement is a non-disclosure where you can't talk about it. There's a lot of things that could be true. So in fairness, this story is not proving or even speculating that he is guilty of something. But I think the rest of the story will show some, some, some red flags. So again, Duda politely declined to comment. Oddly, or perhaps not, considering Dusable's ties to 1MDB, Duda has scrubbed his time with Dusable from the public record. On his LinkedIn page, the time period for his role at Dusable is listed under Renewable Energy Private Equity. And let me show you that page so you have more context. Oh, the establishment will say, I'm doxing him. I'm doxing him. It's a public page. Relax. So right there, January 2013 to November 2016, Renewable Energy Private Equity. So that's odd because most people put in the name of the company they worked for. You got University of Chicago, he's a fellow. You got Obama for America, he worked at. Uh, Investment banking, Morgan Stanley. So he deliberately left off uh, Dusable Capital off his LinkedIn page. I think that's a little odd. What do you think? Not criminal, but certainly odd. Then you have uh, the bio for his current company, uh, which is Higher Ground Labs. Let me show you that. Shomik has built a diverse career, blah, 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 blah. In 2013, Shomik co-founded a private equity firm focused on renewable energy and infrastructure. He oversaw the planning, financing, and developments of two utility-scale solar plants in Asia and in sub-Saharan Africa. He quit his job the day after Trump was elected to get back in the fight. I'm going to get to that because the timeline also is questionable. But again, no mention in his LinkedIn page in his public bio of Dusable Capital. Well, you could say, well, you know, Dusable Capital, it's been reported. The Wall Street Journal reported about its ties to 1MDB. A couple other outlets uh, reported on its ties to 1MDB. So he just doesn't want it out there that he was co-founded that. But, I mean, how much, how much smoke do you need? How much smoke do you need before there's a little fire? You know, that's not me speculating. That's just common sense. Why would somebody be trying to scrub out a company he co-founded if there's nothing wrong with the company, if they didn't do anything wrong? So beyond his aversion to publicizing his time with DuSable Capital, there are also questions surrounding the exact time period due to work at DuSable. According to an August 2016 Washington Free Beacon story, which, by the way, the Washington Free Beacon is like right wing. It's flimsy. I'm not linking to them because I necessarily trust their reporting, but in this case, I'm linking to them for very specific reasons. So according to an August 2016 Washington Free Beacon story, the outlet, the Washington Free Beacon, when they reached out on Duda, the outlet received an automated response from Dusable Capital that Duda was no longer with the company. But that doesn't square with Duda's LinkedIn page, which says he was with the company until November 2016. Or more specifically, on his current company biography, which says he left the day after Donald Trump was elected president to, quote, get back in the fight. So, I mean, the Washington Free Beacon, I would hope, is not lying about getting a message from uh, an automated machine sometime in August 2016 that dude is no longer with the company. But somehow on his LinkedIn page, he was there till November. On his bio page, he was there. He quit the day after President Trump was elected. So why would you fudge the timeline about when you were with the company? By the way, this period 
that he's either saying he was still there. Uh, I don't know why he would stay he's still there if he's not. But this period was when uh, news about the company and their links to 1MDB were publicly uh, being reported on in places like the Wall Street Journal. So there's also oddities with the timeline of DuSable itself. According to a September 2015 filing right here, they were, they were terminated. Their filing with the SEC was terminated in September 2015. So if their filing was terminated in September 2015, how would they be sending automated messages in August 2016 saying that Duda was no longer there? if your SEC filing was terminated 11 months prior. Now, I mean, this also could mean nothing. Could be a case of a firm that changed over to a private operations rather than being SEC regulated. If you do that, you also have to operate differently. But that's possible. But it's weird. Why would an automated message get back to a media outlet rather than a person? Why now there's a website for Disable Capital, but there's no number. There's only an email address, and the email address bounced back when I emailed them. So is Dusable Capital still in business? Is it out of business? When did it go out of business? Why did it go out of business? I think these are all legitimate questions. Being that both Department of Justice and Duda declined to shed light on whether he or Disable are under investigation in relation to the massive to the massive foreign money laundering scandal, Status Quo reached out to Senator Harris's campaign to ask whether they were aware that Duda, a co-host at the upcoming fundraiser and a prior donors, donor to Harris's campaign, he donated to her 2016 Senate campaign, to see if they're aware that he worked at a firm that profited tens of millions of dollars from a deal with an alleged money laundering racket. Again, I don't have proof that he broke the law. I don't even know if he's under investigation, but I do have proof that he signed to be he signed the documents that became this fund's lobbyist. I do have proof they made $69 million. And I don't have confirmation from him or anyone that he's not under investigation. Why wouldn't you just say, no, I'm not under investigation or not that I know of? Doesn't make a lot of sense. Why would you scrub off of all your public documents that you worked for this company. A lot of smoke here, folks. Numerous requests for comments, both through email and Twitter direct message, were not returned to Kamala Harris's campaign. Because I want to be fair. I don't want to just publish this and not give them a chance to respond. But they didn't respond. That's troubling, too. Like I wrote, Status Quo continues to have an open request for comment from the Harris campaign. Senator Harris made a splash upon entering a 2020, the 2020 presidential field, raising $1 million in 24 hours. But since then, Senator Bernie Sanders has announced she's, be, she's behind in fo- both fundraising and most national polls behind uh, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. In a growing anti-big donor political climate, Harris has pledged to shun corporate PAC donations. But that's not stopping the former California attorney general from brushing elbows with a who's who of Hollywood and media and cashing checks and cashing their checks. In February, she had a private fundraiser at the home of Universal President Jeff Schell, which included Hollywood, Hollywood heavyweights and political donors. One of those heavyweights was Jeffrey Katzenberg, the, uh, the DreamWorks founder, and he gives a lot of money to Democrats, uh, including Hillary Clinton in 2016. 
Harris's political career also has financial ties to the corporate media. Individuals working at Warner Media, CNN's longtime parent company, which was acquired by AT&T last year, are listed as Harris's top career donors at $127,975, according to Center for Responsive Politics, which is OpenSecrets.org. All of those donations came during her 2016 Senate campaign. CNN hosted a town hall with Harris a day after her campaign kickoff in January. The network has covered her campaign at length, going as far as recently ranking her number one in its candidate power rankings. Despite former Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Bernie Sanders outpolling her, and in Sanders' case, performing better in fundraising. According to CNN forecaster Harry Enten, Harris was winning the Google search traffic race, attributing that and, quote, activist support as the reason for her top ranking. In addition to declining to answer whether he or DuSable Capital is under investigation related to 1MDB, due to decline to answer whether he was still whether he will still be attending Harris's March 20th fundraiser as a co-host. So why is this important? Why is this important? For a few reasons. Number one, not just about Kamala Harris, by the way, about all politicians. You could have a pledge. You could make a pledge to not take corporate PAC money. And that sounds great, and it's on message with the changing times, but just because you don't take corporate PAC money, money from the corporations itself, doesn't mean you're not taking a hell of a lot of money from the executives and senior leadership at those companies. Better O'Rourke, for example, was not taking corporate PAC money, but it was shown that he took Quite a few donations, I believe it was close to 20, from fossil fuel executives. So just because you don't sign a, just because you sign a no corporate PAC money doesn't mean you ain't taking corporate PAC money from the actual individuals working at that corporation. Secondly, secondly, we are living in a time where finally there's some attention and expectations about who politicians and candidates are taking money from, who they are funded from. So, for example, Bernie Sanders, in fairness, has taken money from the defense industry. Bernie Sanders has taken money from individuals that work in the defense industry. Bernie Sanders has taken money from individuals that work for fossil fuel companies in his career. If I I look close enough, he's probably taken some money from individuals that work on Wall Street. The sin is not actually taking the money in the first place. The sin is, are you proposing policies or changing votes to favor those donors that are giving you money. So Bernie Sanders is clearly not setting policy for individuals working the defense industry that might donate to his campaign. Same goes for fossil fuels, because if he is, they're not getting any bang for their buck. He was against the Iraq war. He's trying to get us out of Yemen. He's talked about getting out of Afghanistan and other places. And he's one of, other than Tulsi Gabbard, he's the only one banning fracking. That's his policy to ban fracking. So the problem is Kamala Harris might be taking, not taking corporate PAC money, but she's taking a lot of money from individuals. And the more fundraisers she has, I'll be able to look into other donors that have questionable ties. Questionable is generous in this regard. Now, do be clear, in fairness to Mr. Duda, I don't know if he's under investigation. I don't know if he did anything wrong. But what I do know He's, he has covered up the fact that he worked at this company. He has covered up the fact that he co-founded this company, right? And this company, I don't know if they were in business without 
being properly regulated with the SEC for a year, but this company just disappeared. And the Department of Justice not commenting isn't damning or, or not damning because they don't, they don't, in, they don't uh, comment on investigations, whether somebody's guilty, innocent, or what. They just don't comment on it. So I think the point of this is Kamala Harris, you're running for president. Your slogan is for the people. You're having fundraisers that it was made available who was going to be there, and then it magically disappeared for security reasons, uh, I was told. Okay, well, what do you think would happen if Bernie Sanders was having a fundraiser and one of the people that were co-hosts were uh, linked to a global money laundering scheme or scandal? When I say linked, that doesn't mean part of it, but his company was a lobbyist for 1MDB. His company made tens of million dollars in a deal with 1MDB. So what would happen if it was Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren or Tulsi Gabbard? I'm pretty sure it would be leading CNN. Pretty sure. So I'm not doing guilt by association, you know, because I'm, I'm a progressive journalist. I don't look at it as guilt by association. You're accepting their money. You, by the way, were a attorney general of a state a district attorney of San Francisco. You are painted yourself as a, as a real, you know, law and order kind of person. So who you take money from matters, particularly if those people might have criminal liability. I don't know if he has criminal liability. To be fair to him, there's no, there's no firm evidence he does. I don't think he's helping himself by den- declining comment to the story. It doesn't make him look great that he has scrubbed any mention of the fact that he worked there. And for a little bit more on him, I'm going back in the time machine here, but just so you know, the kind of person uh, Mr. Duda is. This is uh, from a HuffPost piece written by one David Sirota uh, in 2007. Wow. On the marriage of corruption and hypocrisy in Democratic Washington. Senator Barack Obama is benefiting from the support of well-connected Washington lobbyists, even though he has prohibited his campaign from accepting contributions from them and political action committees. When Obama declared his presidential candidacy in February, he said he would, quote, re-engage Americans disenchanted with business as usual in Washington who had turned away from politics. One of the lobbyists who supports Clinton said that Shomik Duda, a fundraiser for Obama's campaign, called to ask if the lobbyist's wife would be interested in making a political contribution. Quote, I was quite taken aback, he said. He was very direct in saying that you're a lobbyist and we don't want contributions from lobbyists, but your wife can contribute and we like your network. Doesn't that kind of sound similar to what I just said? That's kind of like, well, we don't want money from your corporate PAC, but if you, the executive of the company, want to give money, we really like your network. Come on, folks. Two plus two equals four. So this was a gentleman who, while fundraising for Obama's presidential campaign, was saying, well, for appearance, we can't have, can't have money from you because you're a lobbyist. But, you know, your wife, we'll take her money, which is also your money. You know, married couples usually one of the same. I don't know, Duda. Could be a nice guy. Could be a not nice guy. Who knows? But all I know is Kamala Harris is having fundraisers in Hollywood. 
uh, her slogan's for the people. She's taking money from somebody who has scrubbed any trace of working for a firm that has publicly been reported as ha- having deals with a major financial money laundering scheme, and a global money laundering scheme. And by the way, part of the reason this hasn't gotten traction, not this story, but just 1MDB in general, is it's like, oh, Malaysia, who cares? But it's not just Malaysia. It's investors from all over the, all over the world, and Goldman Sachs is involved. If you're still hurting from 2008, it's part, in large part because of Goldman Sachs, which was a huge player in bringing down the global financial economy.